if you wage war, do it energetically and with severity. Napoleon Bonaparte. I'm going to hit you with so many rights. You're going to beg for a left. That's Chuck Norris. Just one of my favorite book openings. The book is called The Last Action Heroes, The Triumphs, Flops, and Feuds of Hollywood's Kings of Carnage. I printed out some notes, so we'll see how this goes. It's been a while. Really quickly, I guess, like personal updates, just ha things happening right now. Nothing too crazy, I guess. It's just been a while. I just haven't recorded uh, a podcast in a while. I want to get back to basics and just share what I'm learning. Every time I sit down to think about, oh, what do I want to do in the long term? Podcasting is always one of the most fun things that I want to, that like just aligns with a bunch of other things I enjoy. It's the medium that I consume the most. It is when I look back, the thing that I've made videos and blog posts and whatever, Twitter threads and other things, but podcasting is always the most fun. I feel the best after doing it. And then, yeah, when me and Wally were recording, that's probably like as fun as it, as it gets creating stuff online. So back to basics. And yeah, when I sit down and think, oh, I can really do a weekly podcast if it's the easy lift of just sharing what I'm reading. I'm always reading something. I'm always listening to other stuff. And actually, that's where it gets a little hard because I'm like, oh, I should, I should share what I'm listening to, what podcasts I'm listening to and what I'm learning from that. But then that becomes, for whatever reason, it's just a little bit harder than doing book notes where if I just focus on one book at a time, then try to, yeah. So the idea here, I'm going to do this book with, and then try to connect it to other books. Uh, this is kind of inspired by Founders. So that's another podcast that you should check out. It's by David Senra, where he focuses on one biography, and then he connects it to previous episodes. Each of those are about a biography. And he talks about how one of the unique advantages he has is that he's read so much and has kept these highlights in Readwise. He has something like 20,000 highlights and not everyone has that. So he has this database that he can search for different quotes, different topics, ideas. I happen to also have a bunch of highlights in Readwise and that made me think, oh, okay, at least I have that also. And I'm, I'm, I've been reading for most days for the past decade, I'm, I'm guessing. We'll see how this goes. And it did actually help to connect the things. So the cover has Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Steven Seagal. Actually, it's showing the characters. So it's kind of like uh, the Terminator and then Rocky, Frank Dukes, and then Dolph Lundgren, who <laughs> that's not his name in Rocky Four, but that is another person on the cover. Great book. Loving it. I'm about, I'm a little over halfway, but wanted to just go ahead and record before finishing. And then I can finish up with another episode with additional notes. Let's get to some of the highlights here one of the last action heroes and maybe the action hero for me is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this quote is about environment. Actually, I, it's not necessarily about environment, but made me think about environment. So here's the quote from the book. Schwarzenegger liked to envision himself on a scale of one to 10 with one being a normal person, a schmuck and 10 being a superhuman where he strove to be. Now I'm an eight. So I have two more stops to go, steps to go. He announced as he rapped on Conan. Not bad, but room for improvement. While he waited for the inevitable boost up to the final level, he refined his lifestyle, sculpting himself into what he thought an eight should look like. That's the end of the quote. It reminded me of his book, Arnold, The Making of a Bodybuilder. And that is a biography about him. And I think that was right after. So it was before his movie fame, actually, or the beginnings of his movie fame. And 
it's a cool book because yeah, it's it covers like him as a bodybuilder without it being colored by all his success in the '90s and his political career and all that. But a big theme that, or just something that I remember from the book, is how important it was for him. And a big thing for him is like visualization, having that vision for what he wants to be in the future. And it was always yeah, fame, money, and doing that through bodybuilding, doing that through being in movies. He knew his environment had to change; that he had to, he wouldn't be able to do that, staying in Austria. So. It was always his goal to move to America and then to move to Hollywood to be in films. It's pretty hard, especially at that time, to be in major movies without being in Hollywood. This reminded me of Eric Barker's book, Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Here's a highlight. He writes, you've got to pick the environments that work for you. Context is so important. The unfiltered leader who is an amazing success in one situation will be a catastrophic failure in the other. In almost all cases, it's way too easy to think. I've always succeeded. I am a success. I am successful because I am a success because it's about me, and therefore I will succeed in this new environment. Wrong. You were successful because you happened to be in an environment where your biases and predispositions and talents and abilities all happened to align neatly with those things that would produce success in that environment. That's the end of the quote. So this is sometimes, especially like early on in the career. You can kind of stumble into success that yeah you were doing certain things、uh, to get into college and study the major that you wanted and then get the first job where you were successful, but then thinking about the next steps in your career, that's where it can be very important to pick your environment and that comes back to the Last Action Heroes and all of these films. So once it gets to these are all blockbuster films. Huge movies. There's no like indie successes here. Each of them, maybe there are a few movies where it was successful with a budget under a million, but these were like the biggest movies in the '80s, biggest budget, and then biggest box office as well. And those movies take a team. They take a team, and they take months to create. So you, they, each of the actors can only work on so many projects, and it's like one movie per year is hopefully what they can get to. Maybe one or two released within a year. So that's where it is so important to, for them to pick the right films.、Um, and just something that came to mind is that at some point there's a chapter about a couple chapters I think about Jean Claude Van Damme, and he had very successful movies, but was not as savvy business wise as some of the other actors. And he ended up doing I think it was like seven movies, but getting paid an average of seventy five thousand per movie. Where for comparison, I think. At the top end of things, the chapter that I just finished was Bruce Willis getting five million dollars for Die Hard, and that was his first action film. So he was a TV. He was more known. Bruce Willis was more known as TV star. So yeah, he made more with Die Hard than probably a ton of maybe John Claude Van Damme's first ten movies combined or something like that. But yeah, getting back to these highlights, there's Arnold Schwarzenegger. So this is the idea of enough, or that basically like you learn. None of these stars have enough ever. Here's a quote: Schwarzenegger netted a cool million for Conan the Destroyer, Conan the Destroyer, the most he'd ever gotten. Though he griped to Maria that Stallone was making triple that amount. A million dollars seems like a lot until you start comparing up, and Sylvester Stallone was making, I think that was for Rambo Two. He was like the second highest paid movie star, and that's probably at the same time. 
what drives him, what drives Arnold, what probably drove Stallone and all these other actors as well is comparing up and wanting to be great and looking at the films that other people were making. And in a lot of cases, it was some of the younger actors were looking up to, like everyone was inspired by Rocky Balboa, that that was an inspiration for each of these actors, except maybe Arnold, who always had that rivalry with Sylvester Stallone. So this reminded me of this book, Wanting by Luke Burgess, about mimetic desire. And I have a couple quotes here where, here's the first one. Humans learn through imitation to want the same things other people want, just as they learn how to speak the same language and play by the same cultural rules. Imitation plays a far more pervasive role in our society than anyone had ever openly acknowledged. That's the end of the quote, Ed. I, yeah, I uh, grabbed this quote just to talk about wanting things that other people want, that Schwarzenegger wants an amount that Sylvester Stallone was making, and then once Bruce Willis upped it to up the like movie salary to five million for a blockbuster film, then that's what everyone else wanted, and they adjusted the rates up. But this also just reminds me of this idea that Hollywood films, especially like these action movies, created this desire for people to want to look like their heroes, to act like their heroes. And yeah, you, I I grew up watching these movies and, you know, wanting to, of course, be like an action hero and all of my friends. And we wanted to be uh, strong, like pro wrestlers and that sort of thing. In wanting, Luke Burgess also just talks about the like the different phases that we go through where we get our desires first through its three phases. So first it's through imitating our parents and then imitating our siblings if we have them and close friends. So once you start to imitate your friends more than your parents, once you get to a certain age in school and then further on imitate others in culture, Hollywood films are a huge part of culture Maybe like even more so in the 80s and 90s when these films were being made. Yeah, this is, and it just goes all the way up to like people watching the movies want to be like the stars, the characters, then the actors in those movies want to be like the other actors and have what they have. So here's one more quote from Wanting. And it, this is the idea of it's easier to be inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone for a normal person but they're peers, so then they feel threatened by each other. And here's the quote. We're more threatened by people who want the same things as us than by those who don't. Ask yourself, honestly, whom are you more jealous of? Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, or someone in your field, maybe even in your office, who is as competent as you are and works the same amount of hours you do, but who has a better title and makes an extra 10000 per year? It's probably the second person. That's the end of the quote. And yeah, it's it just goes on. Salaries are always like each chapter talks about how much each of these actors made and then how they all were in competition with each other as far as trying to earn the most for their salary. And then, of course, the create the biggest movies at the box office, because then that, of course, leads to higher salaries. And that's just kind of the cycle. Next actor here. So a note, a highlight on Sylvester Stallone. The note I wrote here was to keep doing what's working. So here's the highlight. Though the star had come to terms with Rocky Balboa, pretty much everything else he had tried failed. Stallone's career was stalled, remembers First Blood director Ted Kotcheff. The perceived wisdom 
in Hollywood was that Stallone only sold tickets as Rocky, and they were hesitant about casting him in anything else. But that kind of thinking didn't cut it with me. So that's the end of the highlight. And yeah, I wrote, keep doing what's working. He had these different passion projects, but had wild success with these action movies, in particular, Rocky, and then making that a franchise, then Rambo, and then making that a franchise as well. He was always able to fall back on these franchises and then, you know, pretty much like print millions and millions of dollars for the studio and himself. And it's, it is that thing of, hey, at some point, it can probably be good to you. Lean into your strengths. And having Rocky and Rambo to fall back on is definitely not a bad situation. And yeah, this whole thing reminded me of Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. So I wrote some highlights here. And we'll see how this goes. I'm going to just share some Stallone highlights and then some So Good They Can't Ignore You highlights. So this is from So Good They Can't Ignore You. It's a book about passion and why maybe following your passion isn't the best advice. So Cal Newport writes, if you want to love what you do, abandon the passion mindset. What can the world offer me? And instead, adopt the craftsman mindset. What can I offer the world? And yeah, going back to Stallone, it was that he can offer the world Rambo and Rocky, and that's what the world wanted. And it didn't matter that at some point he wanted to work on other characters. And he just decided, I'm going to continue to offer the world what they want and continue to make Rocky movies, Rambo movies. And here's another quote from So Good They Can't Ignore You. The happiest, most passionate employees are not those who followed their passion into a position, but instead those who have been around long enough to become good at what they do. On reflection, this makes sense. And that's kind of a a theme through all of uh, the different actors in this book, that they were eventually able to make action movies, but had to do other things leading up to that. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, was the world's greatest bodybuilder. Maybe the best body in history by a lot of people's measures. Then, yeah, Sylvester Stallone wanted to make make movies, but had to work other jobs before that. I think, yeah, there's a story about him working at a zoo and then doing not Hollywood films before and doing a few bad movies before getting the chance to work in huge action films. Same thing with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I have some quotes um, further on about, yeah, his journey to become a Hollywood star. And then Bruce Willis was working in, he, he was on a different like TV show. So he was a TV star before he was a movie star. And so if they just started out thinking, oh, my passion is action movies, and that's the only thing that I'm going to do, it might not have worked out. They wouldn't be, first off, good enough to be hired to do that. And then, yeah, you can't just be stubborn if you keep getting a no without trying to improve your skills. Let's see. Okay, so then I wrote or grabbed this highlight on Sylvester Stallone's morning routine. So a few different quotes here that I've combined. And Stallone seemed ready to go, working out every day in the gym by his swimming pool, just west of the flower gardens and packing his body with protein. Raw fish and six soft-boiled eggs for breakfast each morning without fail. Next quote here. But those waiting for a second splash of first blood were going to have to wait a little longer. A while longer, because Stallone, despite all those eggs, was feeling the call of his artistic side a little further on. Walking each day at 5 a.m., or waking each day at 5 a.m., he would sit in his office trying to refine a biopic of his beloved Edgar Allan Poe, 
something he'd been working on since the 1970s before heading off to the polo field. There were also his paintings. So that's the end of the highlight. His morning routine was eating like Rocky and then working on this biopic of Edgar Allan Poe that he eventually gave up on. And this is going back to that idea of following it, following your passion and maybe sometimes it's not what you should be doing. And another quote from So Good They Can't Ignore You, passion comes after you put in the hard work to become excellent at something valuable, not before. In other words, what you do for a living is much less important than how you do it. Another quote, if your goal is to love what you do, you must first build up career capital by mastering rare and valuable skills and then cash in this capital for the traits that define great work. That's the end of the highlight there. And that's something that's kind of like common between a few of the different action stars here that for Stallone to do, he did a few dramas and did, uh, I think it's like a movie called Rhinestone and also did some directing. And a few of the other actors did directing as well. But first, they built up uh, success with their action movies before they were able to go into comedy or other dramas or non-action movies. And it's because they built that career capital. And then to break into action movies, they built up earlier career capital, just working in movies at all, being around sets, and in some cases, learning martial arts. Showing that they could have that, like, physical, and just working on their bodies, showing that they had the physical capacity to be action stars. And here is the last quote at Stallone and this Edgar Allan Poe thing about him quitting it from the book. The inner struggle between sensitive artist and action god seemed to have been won. Stallone even admitted that he had finally given up on his Edgar Allan Poe screenplay since audiences wouldn't buy him with a quill. What's he going to say? Yo. Quoth the raven, yo, Poe, he joked, making light of abandoning his passion project. And he even suggested a team up for his two famous creations, seeming seemingly at total peace now with both characters. That's the end of the quote. And I won't quit my day job to try to be a Sylvester Stallone imitator or a comedian. Anyway, this next quote is from this next section, Jean-Claude Van Damme. There, there's a lot in there about just like blood sport and the dubious. I think it opens with based on a true story. And that's a very loose, basically not true. It's pretty much a lie. But, you know, in the 80s, you couldn't check this stuff. I definitely recommend if you listen to the Rewatchables podcast, there is an episode of blood sport. And it's one of my favorite podcast episodes of all time. Anyway, here's a quote. And the idea I had here was surround yourself with people ahead of you from The Last Action Heroes, but Chuck was sympathetic. That's the kind of guy he is, and found out Van Damme was sleeping in his car. So Chuck hired him as a gopher, even though we already had one. He kept doing the splits and coming in without his shirt on and did that for a year. Only because he was with Chuck Norris could he get away with it. Then this reminded me of Ego is the Enemy. So this is a book by Ryan Holiday, and there's a chapter called Follow the Canvas Strategy. And this is about when you are not the star of the, in a way, like you're not the star of the action movie, but you are kind of in the orbit of the stars. And it's not your turn up yet, basically. So here's the quote from Ego is the Enemy. It's not about making someone look good. It's about providing the support so that others can be good. The better wording for the advice is this. Find canvases for other people to paint on. Be anti, anti-mbulo. Clear the path for the people above you, and you will eventually create a path for yourself. Then he gives this example of Bill Belichick. 
Bill Belichick, the four-time Super Bowl winning head coach of the New England Patriots, made his way up the ranks of the NFL by loving and mastering the one part of the job that coaches disliked at the time, analyzing film. So that's the end of the quote. And yeah, this canvas strategy is this idea that you're going to do the things that other people don't want to do because at a certain point in your career, yeah, you can focus on doing your art. But at earlier points in your career, you're working your way up to that position and you're enabling others to do their art. In this case, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme, roughly like doing these chores for Chuck Norris, but doing enough to stay in their orbit. And then he also is the, it's always that fun fact of, he's just kind of in the orbit of these different actors. One of his first gigs was, and it's only for two days, where he was in the jungles with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, for an early version of The Predator. Before they changed the suit, there's this crazier suit before the iconic Predator with the dreads and crab-looking face. There was one that looked more like a giant ant, and Jean-Claude Van Damme was the person that was supposed to be the Predator, and then he quit after a couple days. Then eventually, when he's being pitched for, I, I think he's like being pitched for Bloodsport, they're not sure if they want to make the movie or not, but then one of the producers hears that, or so, someone tells the producer like, oh, actually you do want Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's starring alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Predator movie, which is a half-truth. He was there for two days and then left the set because the suit wasn't working out for him. Um, and then here's another quote from the book about being around Chuck Norris. He says, this was the pivotal moment Van Damme had been waiting for, as well as bringing Norris and Wall sandwiches, washing their cars and sweeping the floor of the, their gym. He started working nights as a bouncer at the Newport Beach bar. Woody's Wharf, which was owned by Norris's wife, Diane. And here's the quote from Ego is the Enemy. Again, the canvas strategy. That's what the canvas strategy is about. Helping yourself by helping others. Making a concerted effort to trade your short-term gratification for a longer-term payoff. Whereas everyone else wants to get credit and be respected, you can forget credit. You can forget it so hard that you're glad when others get it instead of you. That was your aim, after all. Let the others take their credit on credit while you defer and earn interest on the principal. Actually, I think he leaves the Predator to go do Bloodsport. But yeah, he jumps out of the suit and then goes and does Bloodsport. Then here's another quote from The Last Action Hero. According to the writer, Van Damme was hired to take advantage of his acrobatic agility, though McTiernan scoffs at that notion. What, so you'd have a monster from outer space come down and be a judo expert? Oh yeah, here's a quote about the costume. So this is about the Predator costume with its freakishly extended arms and unearthly backward knees. Van Damme was unable to jump. He complained that if he did, he would break his legs and he felt so overwhelmed by claustrophobia as he gulped in air through a small tube that he had to focus on wiggling his finger to avoid a full-blown panic attack. That's the end of the quote. And yeah, he does Bloodsport. Bloodsport is a major success. And then... Yeah, as mentioned, does a string of movies, but does not get paid super well for it. And this is coming to the end of at least the notes that I have, but would highly recommend this book, The Last Action Heroes. I'm not finished with it yet, but have really enjoyed reading it so far. And I'll do another episode. There's still a few different actors to touch on. So like Jackie Chan, Chuck Norris, Dolph Lundgren, and Steven Seagal. And in a way, I just <laughs> it does sound interesting. There, There's a podcast episode like series about 
a Steven Seagal, and he was kind of, in a way, how Frank Dukes lied about all this stuff about blood sport. Steven Seagal kind of did the same, I guess, but just got away with it and had a pretty lucrative career in Hollywood. Anyway, that's the end of the notes. Go check out The Last Action Heroes. I don't know. I'll keep doing these episodes. I think I kind of just bounced between different quotes without really giving much commentary. I don't know how valuable that is. Maybe that's more valuable since it's not like my own thoughts going into these things. But let's see. What if I do just talk about a personal lesson here? I think the, the main takeaway from The Last Action Heroes is tenacity. They all kind of started out, you know, working on their bodies and learning to do and then combining different skills that to, you can't just be a good actor to be an action hero, especially in the 80s. I think it was it is Bruce Willis who kind of changes that. Arnold Schwarzenegger makes fun of his arms that like you're never going to be as big an action star as me because your arms are so small. Um, but yeah, then there's, of course, like the action stars today are with like Mission Impossible. There's Tom Cruise and then John Wick. Like these are not enormous dudes the way that they were in the 80s. But yeah, in the 80s, you needed to have this skill stack basically like to have the you know we can just call it bodybuilding and martial arts just the physical presence uh, that that takes a different amount of discipline than just learning acting and then layering the acting on top of that not that everyone here is known as like a fantastic actor they all were actually maybe by default you think oh they were bad actors but actually they were pretty serviceable actors and got better as their careers went along james cameron talks about how much I forget what the phrase is, but like body control, Arnold Schwarzenegger has, and how good he was as an actor playing the Terminator and just having that presence on screen. So there's that, and then just yeah, again, skill stack that martial arts and that discipline carries over, and then they all not maybe not all of them, but some of them go beyond acting. That Sylvester Stallone was a director, and then. A lot of them were doing some of the like action scene coordination. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, went into politics, <laughs> has had the uh, success in many other fields beyond acting. Then I think the reverse of that is kind of like Dolph Lundgren was a PhD and then had, I think it was like, uh, is it called the Fulbright Scholarship? But like a scholarship that he dropped to go do Rocky Four, basically. So he had a bunch of doors open to him and then just chose to be uh, this action hero. So yeah, this skill stack and all of them kind of aspire to be, you, you don't become this action hero without having, it's a wilder goal to have basically, and all of them had it. And it's a goal that probably, you know, like thousands of other people probably had that didn't reach that. Just having that goal is not enough, but it is a requirement. So that goes for a lot of things. And I, I think the best part of that is probably like that idea of like hard work being, it, just because you work hard doesn't mean that you're going to have that success, but it is a requirement. Let's see. I'll post this. Thanks for listening. And I'll get back to reading and sharing what I'm reading.